Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Flea Flicker. I'm your host, John Murray. I want to welcome you back, back to the show. And once again, for those uh, long-time viewers who have listened to this podcast, I want to say thank, thank you once again for uh, joining me. And for any new viewers, I want to welcome you to the podcast. And I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy it. Um, again, I've always said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not a man who likes to be around the bush. I want to jump right into things. And I guess the the biggest news in the football world is the resignation of one John Gruden and the reason behind it. And for those who have not heard, uh, I believe John Gruden uh, resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders a couple of hours ago. And um, and people always know, people knew the reason behind it. He was um, caught sending emails. I believe it was anywhere from seven to ten years ago. The stories have come out, have come out through various, various sources. Um, I believe one was what the Wall Street Journal, or it might have been the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Um, one was a derogatory remark about the um, players, the president of the Players Association uh, several several years ago. Some racial slurs were um, brought in this email, and um, Gruden tried to pass it off as to say that he is not, he's not such, a, he's not racist. Um, I believe there were emails sent out to. I believe it was it the Washington Redskins and the president of the um, the president uh, Bruce Allen at the time years ago as well referring to um, that head coach Jeff Fisher of the of then Los Angeles uh, the Los Angeles Rams or I should say maybe the St Louis Rams back then I can't remember if they were still in St Louis or not they might have gone to Los Angeles by then but not drafting a gay player. Now, and guys, you know, the thing is, here's here's my thing. I mean, I don't know. First of all, I do not understand. I don't understand, first of all, what Gruden was thinking. First of all, I said, we're in the, we're in the modern age, right, where the Internet is the most dangerous thing on the planet to put out there. I mean, you send emails and you send to somebody, and my gosh, come on, guys. I don't care if you're a pro athlete, a lawyer, doctor, whatever profession it might be. I mean, even if you actually thought that, why in the hell would you put it in an email and send it? I don't understand it. Why would you? Yeah, I don't understand why people do that. I know people sometimes they'll get on Facebook and they'll put something, they'll put send Twitter, maybe include a photo on Instagram, but what, you know, whatever the case might be. If Gruden was thinking like that and he had, you know, um, I know the, if I'm not mistaken, the player, you know, the uh, NFL's president of the Players Association, 
I believe he was saying something about the something about big lips and 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 a caricature and, and if people have ever caricatures ever done way back when knew that when you did that it was for yeah it was it was to be disrespectful to an Afri an African American. Now and you know Groom played it off like hey it was no big deal. I guess that that's kind of the impression he he gave. Now I did not see I have not really seen any of uh, Gruden's news conferences or what the case might be. But I've never understood people. You, I don't care if you write down on a piece of paper, you type it out, whatever. Why keep stuff like that? Because eventually, one of these days, they should know it's going to come back to bite you in the rear end. And obviously, this bit, this bit grew in the rear end. Now, Gruden says that he's not racist. Now, Gruden has coached a lot of African-American players, as a lot of people know, the majority of the league, I don't know the percentage, have any African-American legs playing in this league. And trust me, Gruden coached a lot of, a lot of great players. What about the Tim Browns? I think Jerry Rice was there at one point in time with him. Do you think, yeah, I mean, you had Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp. To me, I don't think Gruden would have come out and told any of those players what he was feeling. Do you really think he would do that? No, he wouldn't do that. I'm sure Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks would probably have uh, shoved him, um, <laughs> would have shoved him like in a laundry chute or put him somewhere, right? I can't see Tim Brown. I don't see a guy like Jerry Rice putting up with it either. And Al Davis. And I would hardly doubt very seriously Al Davis had a racist built in his body. Because after all, it was Al Davis that hired the very first African-American coach in our shell, right? And Al, you know, and Al Davis went to those African-American colleges and he got a lot of Hall of Famers. So, when this was all coming down, I'm sure his son, Mark Davis, had to shake his head. He was seeing all this coming out and he went in there and I'm sure that he told John that John, suppose I guess John resigned, resigned on his own but I'm but I got a feeling that Mark Davis went in there and told him, he said, John, you gotta you've got to do this. You gotta get out of here. I now paid you ten years, hundred million dollars, but I gotta bite the bullet on this contract. You gotta go. There's too much heat on you. He probably said, he said, John, he said, My dad would turn over in his grave right now if he'd heard this. Now Mark Davis can come out in public and say he didn't say that to John, but I got a feeling behind closed doors that was probably said. Now I'll be honest, I'll be honest, I'll be honest.
honest with my viewers. Trust me, I've got plenty. I've got a lot of Afro-American friends. And I'll be honest with you, my best friend is an, Afro an African-American. He's a gentleman that I've worked with, that I used to work with many, many years ago. And I still consider a very close and personal friend to this day. I mean, I've been to the man's apartment, had a beer with the man. We have a lot of things in common. We share the love of sports. We share the love of professional wrestling. He's a great, he's a great guy. But John, and to everybody out there, why in the world would you do this? Now, I don't condone it. At all whatsoever. Because trust me, my kids, I have taught my kids, you cannot, you will not be racist. My son, he has made a lot of friends when he was in high school. He graduated just last year. He actually went on a date with an, Afri an African-American girl. Nice girl. And my daughter, she's got, she's got her share of Af African-American friends as well. So trust me, when I tell you there's not racism in my body, there's not. Now, the part about the, about the gays. Now, correct me if I'm not right. Doesn't that gentleman Gruden currently have a gentleman on his team that has come out, has come out of the closet here just recently? This past man, this past offseason, correct me if I'm not right. That's that uh, told the world that he was gay. What do you think his response was? What do you think his response was when he heard that Gruden had sent his email out about not drafting a gay, a gay player? Heck, if he was me, I'd probably want to go get Gruden and rip his, rip his throat out. I'm sure that couldn't have sat well with him. Now, Gruden suppose it went to when has has had a meeting, apologized to all the players for all the way it's come out. But I gotta be honest with you guys, my viewers out there, there's no excuse none of this. There's none whatsoever. Gruden, people that knew Gruden were shocked by this. Even some of the Afro Americans that he coached. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that he had a, did what he did. That sent these emails out. People that worked at many ESPN find it hard to believe. Now, that's not to say at some point in time, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not. He will not get another head coaching job, but it wouldn't shock me if he wound up being a analyst, maybe not for ESPN. I wouldn't be totally shocked if he went back to Fox and became an analyst. 
I'm sure Groove will find another job. I'm sure he will. But for future jobs, future possibilities, it doesn't matter if it's CBS Sports, if it's Fox Sports, or ESPN wants to try to rehire him again. That email, those emails, many emails, they will still be out there. And those people will never go look at John Groove again like that. And he gets wherever he goes now. Don't care if it's a restaurant. I don't care if he goes in a doctor's office for a checkup or physical. People are not going to look at him the same way again. Now, maybe John thinks differently. But he should realize you're not going to think, like, think of him that way ever again. Because that goes to say in this day and age, watch what you send out. You gotta please. It doesn't matter again if you're John Gruden. Doesn't matter if whatever you, whatever line of work you do in, in this lifetime. If you're gonna send something out via via media, hacking doing a podcast, I'm gonna do it right now. You've got to watch what you're doing and you've got to watch what you say. I know America, I know the world, hell America. Don't they love controversy? What's the was the pop was the remember an old saying, sex violence and rock and roll? At one point in time, that's what it sold. Well I hate to say it, controversy sells too, doesn't it? And this is controversial. But again, John made a huge mistake. And it cost him his head coaching job with the Raiders. Now, the Raiders were off to off to it there, three and two right now. And one has to wonder, with all this going on, will it affect the Raiders? Will it affect the Raiders' play? I think it. I think it will a little bit. I think it's going to affect their play. Gruden is gone. Thought of a coach from Gruden's staff that's going to step up and become the new head coach. I believe the head coach is supposed to do a um, an interview with the media on Wednesday. So I have read. And I tell you what, you lose, you lose a coach, especially in a controversial way that the Raiders did. It's it's got to have it's got to have some kind of effect on your team. In some ways, it seemed like the Raiders were turning the ship a little bit. They had won the first three games. But they have dropped the last two. They lost a game this past Sunday that they should have won. The Bears. You had a rookie quarterback. He didn't really play the best ball in the world. But the Bears defense stepped up and they played well. And the offense, well, maybe did just enough to get by. Derek Carr was playing well the first few games of the season, but now he stepped back. Josh Jacobs was coming back off of the injuries. The defense, actually the defense showed some signs of improvement that they had been proven 
because of a horrible defense the last few years, they were starting to show some kind of signs of improvement. They're still not, they're still not with that, that good, but they were showing signs of tremendous signs of improvement. But now, all that goes up in flames. Some teams, some teams can step up their challenge. Some teams can arise above whatever issues that come up. Now, can the Raiders do that? Now, the Raiders of the past, when they had Kenny Stable, the Cliff Branches, the Fled Blitnikoffs of the world, the Lester Hazes, I can go on and on about all the Raider greats and those teams. Those teams, they probably, yes, those teams, yes, they certainly could rival above, above all that. But I don't think these Raider, this Raider team can do that. And who knows? At the end of the season, maybe Mark Davis would have gotten tired of Gruden and would have, booted, would have kicked him out anyway. A 10-year, $100 million contract is hard to get out from under. I don't care you know, what sport you're playing. But the bottom line is, Gruden certainly brought this all upon himself, didn't he? And, like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, nobody's got to look at John Gruden the same way again. And that's something he'd have to carry, he's got to carry around with him the rest of his life. Now, will he be, will he be forgiven? That's not for me to say. Can't sit here and speculate that. Only the people that he coached, maybe some of his assistant coaches, people among the NFL fraternity. I know he said some not so derogatory things about the commissioner of the NFL. I know he said some bad things about, I believe, some of the NFL owners when there was a lockout several years ago. Green buried himself <laughs> with a lot of people, players, owners, maybe assistant coaches. He buried himself pretty deep. Who knows if Green can, can dig himself out of that hole or not? Who knows? But a special message. There is no... There is no... The word I'm looking for simply is this. There's no racism in this world. And as they all say, we're all brothers and sisters in this fight. Remember that. Now, I gotta get this off my chest. My next, my next subject. Well, there's an old expression, you don't like to brag, but I'm going to brag a little bit. And I'm going to tell all those experts out there who thought that the Bengals were going to beat the Packers. And I told you that the Bengals, the Bengals were not going to do that. I told you so. Now, 
I know for some of the listeners, I'm going to hear the point where Mason Crosby missed three field goals. Yes, he did. But he got the kick that won the game in overtime, right? McPherson, he missed a couple of field goals. The kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, to me, if you look at it this way, I believe the score ended up being, what, 25 to 22. Okay, well, if Crosby had to kick those, he left nine points out there. So let me get this straight. So technically, if you kick those three field goals, it'd be, what, 34 to 22. Now, I'm sure you say, well, if McPherson had to hit those, you know, hit his, I think, six points he left out there. But the bottom line is, let's just say for the sake of argument, it would have been 34 points that let's say we've been out there, okay? Aaron Rodgers had a pretty decent day. Then Devontae has go over 200, 200 receiving yards, I believe, in that game as well. Aaron Jones had over 100 yards. A.J. Dillon had a pretty decent game for himself. And since everybody said, well, the Cincinnati Bengals defense has improved, well, it didn't, let me put this away. The Packers have a banged-up offensive line. I've been missing like three-fifths of their starters, I believe. Okay, the Bengals didn't do that much. Couldn't have done that much if you let Devontae Adams get 200-some yards. You let Rodgers have another good game. But yet, you experts believe that the Bengals had a chance to beat the Packers. I told y'all, if... Jacksonville, if they could barely beat Jacksonville, what do you think the chances of them being the beating the Green Penny Packers were? Well, my answer was slim and none. And you know what? They almost pulled the slim part of that deal out, but they didn't win. Now, the Packers, the Packers defense, who couldn't generate much of a pass rush this year generated one against a poor, still a poor Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Now, Barton had a bad game. Mixon was was dinged up. I get you there. Now, people are going to look on the bright side. What about Jamar Chase and 100 and I think it was 57 receiving yards. It might have been 159. I'll have to go back and check. But you got to remember, the guy that usually, that would have covered him, J.R. Alexander, He's on the IR for a few weeks. So more than likely, Eric Stokes, I'm going to guess, the rookie from the University of Georgia was probably covering him. And and Stokes has still got a lot to run in this league. And Chase has hit him up. Now, not saying, now I'm going to say Alexander would have done a better job. Now, I'm not saying that maybe Chase still might not have got his 100 yards in. But I think Alexander would have done a better job. Would have done a better job. But the problem is, the Packers' pass rush actually had one. It's the offensive line. See, where it worries me is you've got a, a good young quarterback in Joe Burrow, but your offensive line is still going to be your issue. You take like you take a look at some of the quarterbacks in this league. Tom Brady has a decent offensive line. Well, if the Packers' offensive line is completely healthy, 
Aaron Rodgers has a decent offensive line. If the Packers offensive line is healthy, once again, the Dallas Cowboys, their offensive line seems to have come into form. And Dak Prescott's having a good year. The point is, the Bengals still do not have an offensive line. Why don't you ask, why don't you ask Big Ben and, and the running game of the Pittsburgh Steelers how important an offensive line really is? Ask them that question. But the point is, the Bengals can, cannot get the job done. Now, I know next week the odd game gets Detroit, and I know I'm sure the Bengals will be favored in that game. I'm sure they will. But let me remind the experts, and let me remind the Cincinnati Bengals fans one more thing. When they supposed to run over Jacksonville, and, well, they didn't. Trevor Lawrence, I think, had the best game of his young career against Cincinnati Bengals. Now, you walk into Detroit, you're playing Jared Goff, and Jared Goff's been in his league a few years. You've got a pretty decent running back in DeAndre Swift. Again, James Robinson, DeAndre Swift. You see the see resemblance. They have a good uh, a, a second running back that's pretty decent himself. Jamar Williams. Jamel Williams, excuse me. A man that he got from the Green Bay Packers who was backing up, Aaron Jones. So they've got a running game right there. So they have a running game. Now, granted, the receiving core is not exactly the greatest in the world. But they have a, they have a, they have one of their tight ends lit, middle one tight ends lit, and T.J. Hawkinson. So to all the to all these Cincinnati Bengals fans, yeah, they they have a pretty decent chance to hit the Detroit Lions. But then again, there's some things where maybe the Detroit Lions could turn out to be the Jacksonville Jaguars and give them a run for the money. Would it shock me? No, I wouldn't be so shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if all Detroit gave them a run, run for the money. And I'm going to be like those experts. I will say the Bengals should win this game. But don't be surprised if the Detroit gives them a run for the money. To me, the Cincinnati Bengals are not there. Now, I'm not saying, again, I will keep saying it over and over and over again. I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Please do not get me wrong. But the Bengals are not there. And the reason being is this. The offense, all it needs an offensive line. You've got a quarterback. You've got a good running back. You've got three good receivers. You have a tight end that if he gets used more, could be is an underrated tight end in this league. But it's an offensive line. That is the concern. That is the problem. Now the defense, they spent money in free agency to get def- to get def- to get the defensive help. They did it, they did address a, a few things on the defense, but it still needs a little bit of work. I'm still not completely sold on that secondary. That's something that they've got to work on. They went out and signed some veteran some veterans, but I'm still not a hundred percent sold on that secondary. And it can get torched. Devontae Adams didn't torch them. 
if Devontae Adams can do that, boy, can you imagine? Can you imagine what all the guys, can you imagine what all the top-notch receivers would do to that secondary? And they have been able to generate some type of pass rush, and I will give them that. But to be honest with you, what it gets down to is special teams and coaching. Now tonight, for a fine example, I'll give you the best example of tonight. The Baltimore Ravens, they were down. They were getting beat on by the Indianapolis Colts. But at the end of the game, the Ravens showed you what talent can do for you. It shows you what good coaching can do for you. And that's John Harbaugh. Harbaugh's been the, one of the most unsung coaches in this league. He's had the, he's made the Baltimore Ravens winners for years. Now, granted, Justin Tucker, who is one of the better kickers, in the game today, maybe in NFL history. Now, granted, he didn't have much of a say-so tonight, but I guarantee you, if Justin Tucker and John Harbaugh were the Cincinnati Bengals, they could have very well beaten Green Bay yesterday. And that's what it's going to boil down to. I still don't think Zach Taylor is the man to lead the Bengals to that next level. I've always joked with friends. I said, there's a guy up in Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, that I would love to see him come out of Cincinnati and coach the Bengals. I think he can get more out of Cincinnati than Zach Taylor can. And Jim would walk into a pretty decent situation with talent there. But I don't see Jim's not going to leave the Michigan Wolverines to come back to the NFL. It's not going to happen. But I can see, can you imagine Jim Harbaugh versus John Harbaugh? I can see the ticket sales just off of that alone would be great, right? But the thing is, the Bengals are not there. And I will keep telling, and since I will keep telling these Cincinnati Bengals fans, they are not there, pump the brakes. To me, I still think Cleveland Browns, even though the Cleveland Browns lost a pretty tough one to the Chargers, to a, a hot Charger team, I still think the Browns are better. The Ravens, I still believe they're better. I don't know if they can beat the Steelers twice in one season. I don't know. But guys, the Bengals fans, pump the brakes. They're not that good. Just yet. It's going to boil down to special teams and the head coach. Sack's not the answer. The special teams, maybe in time, McPherson proved to be proved to be a good draft pick. A lot of teams don't use picks, draft picks on kickers. They go out in free agency. They go out in free agencies and fine. Find a kicker. Now, unless you're the uh, the Raiders and you can pull Ray Guy, high draft pick on Ray Guy, 
and Janikowski and make it work. But the thing is, I, if they wanted to bring the first in, they could have brought him in for agency. I don't don't really think he'd been drafted by anybody to go do that, do that, or go with free agent or go the free agent route. Bring in a veteran kicker if you think he can do the job for you. You could have gone that. Hell, you probably could have spent it, spent that draft pick on maybe a defensive back, some more help on the defense, or you could have grabbed an offensive lineman. Instead of drafting that kicker. But again, I'll keep saying it. That tells not the answer. Now, maybe at the end of the season, when the 17 game season's over with, maybe the Bengals will prove me wrong. And if, it, if they prove me wrong, I'll get on the broadcast. I'll admit it, I'm wrong. But for right now, I'm not. I get it, they're 3-2. and two. They do have a winning record. And they're looking, they could very well be 4-2 next week if they defeat the Detroit Lions. But let me circle the if around it. Remember, Jacksonville gave them all they can handle. You never know. Detroit surprise you. I guess the next thing I've got to bring up is all these injuries, man. Yesterday was something. I mean, the poor New York Giants. My gosh. I mean, what you do? You lose your starting quarterback in Daniel Jones. You lose Barkley. You lose your number one receiver in Colladay. I mean, you already had your top, what, you had Shepard and Slayton. They were out. I mean, I don't know. Keep the other Giants would have to go into the crowd and pull out a couple of guys out of the crowd and put them in, and put them, maybe, maybe put them in there just to, just to try to feel the, to feel the, to feel the team or feel the offense, matter of fact. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, my gosh. Before the season begins, you not you lose your top three, top three running backs, and I see that's unheard of, to me. Now I don't know what you people think, but yeah, that's unbelievable. The Colts they went through a situation where I think they had they lost Carlson Wentz, they lost the best one of the best linemen in the game, and Nelson in preseason they did come back. Nelson's hurt again. I know people make the case as what, you know, people have now said, well, hey, let's cut the preseason down from four to th- to three. Some people want to go back to two, to even two games. Some people have that way you'd have no preseason. Now, now I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I really don't know what would be the right answer it's a tough one. I mean, we're in the day and age where modern technology, I mean, the medical field of the world is so much far advanced that it's unheard of. 
if you're a player back in the max 60s, 70s, or even 80s, you could have one. You could tear an ACL and your career could be over with. And nowadays, the way modern technology, the way modern medicine is nowadays, my gosh, you'd be back by next season. I mean, Bar- I mean yeah, Barker's a prime example of that. Like every time you turn around in the NFL, a top notch player or any player gets hurt throughout for the season. That's like the Giants, they lost, it seemed like they lost the entire offense, and I believe they lost a defensive back for the season as well. You know, I don't know, again, like I said, what can you do about injuries? They happen, happen in any sport. I mean, the head injuries, you've had people with concussions, you've had people, they've come up with new rules, no more helmet-to-helmet contact. They're doing the best, they're doing the best they can to protect the players. And then again, that's like the injury with um, Dak Prescott last season. That was a freakish thing. Dak didn't take no hit to the knee and then he just was out for the year. It was a freakish injury. I mean, Barkley, again, he had a freakish injury last year as well. But, you know, again, it's it's hard to say. What what do you do? I don't think you, you've got to have preseason because you've got to be able to get out there, get the kinks, knock the kinks out. Some people say, well, camp is that for? Well, yeah, in a way it is, but you need, but those rookies need that live reps. You got the number one draft pick. You need to go see him live. Now I don't know if uh, they cut it from four to three games. I don't think three games is a bad idea. I know some people want to go to two. Some people might don't, might don't want to do it at all. But I don't think three is a bad idea at all because you want to see that you want to see those, that young talent. You want to see what they can do in a possible live situation. Because if he didn't do that, because if he didn't do that, you would have had Russell Wilson outbeat Matt Hasselbeck many years ago to win the starting job of the Seattle Seahawks. And look how that's turned out for Seattle. You do find that diamond in the rough. Sometimes in preseason, and that person in preseason can parallel over into the regular season. And it makes your head coach, it makes your your NFL scouting department. It makes your GM look like geniuses when you find that diamond in the rough. You're going to need preseason. Injuries are unfortunately a part of the game. I know when your favorite, I know um, for, the, you know, for the Seattle Seahawks fans, Russell Wilson, the story is, I guess Russell will be out to what? There's one rumor that he could be out up to week 10. Some say he could be back Sooner, sooner than that. And now Geno Smith leads the Seattle Seahawks. He tries to continue to write that ship until Russell Wilson returns. I mean, what, what can he do? It's hard to prevent injuries. They happen in this league. But my gosh... 
I don't know if there is a dark cloud hanging over some of these teams with all these injuries. You got to remember it was the, it was the Chargers. It seems like every time the Chargers turn around, they had a significant injury for like a few years, like three straight years or something like that. Where every time they turn around, injury on top of injury on top of injury. Gosh, if I was if if, if I was the Chargers back then, I'd be pulling hair on my head. So what do I have to do? And I'm sure the New York Giants, the last couple of weeks, they're probably, I'm sure, I'm sure the GM, the coaches, and I'm sure Joe Judge himself are probably, are probably sitting there tossing every piece of equipment around, yeah, around the clubhouse. Figuring what else, what, what can we do? There's always going to be those years where there's nothing you do. There's injuries pop up everywhere, and you shrug your shoulders. Then sometimes you have to bite that bullet. The only towards next year. I don't want to say that going into year into five games into the season that you want to do that. I know the Giants. They've got they've got a lot of they've got some issues. You know, people don't, I'm sure the New York media, knowing them, they're probably, they're probably telling Daniel Jones, he's got out of town, they need to find him another quarterback. Well, I don't really think there's one in this year's NFL draft that's going to say, oh my gosh, that's the guy right there that's going to lead us to back, lead us to the promised land. <laughs> Where's the sounds? Maybe New York Giants fans can think, uh, um, Maybe they should be so lucky. You had Field Sims for several years, stability at quarterback. I hate to say it, even you had Eli Manning, and he, even Eli Manning was stability for several years. Now, he might not have lit the world on fire, but you did do championship with Eli, correct? I don't know. Uh, I hate to say it, but Daniel Jones is not stability. There's no denying Barkley's talent. There's no denying it. I know Barkley had a freakish accent last season, but now I'm sure the, I'm sure it's going around. The Giants are probably thinking now he's a talented guy, but he's getting he's injured too much. That kid Holiday, the one thing about him, the talent is the talent isn't there. It's always been there. He could be a top twenty receiver in this league. But the Detroit Lions, I guarantee the Detroit Lions in the back of their minds, they got tired of, of him missing that many games the last couple of seasons. That's why they let him go. And the Giants jumped on him. And now he's been he's been he's been hit with injuries throughout training camp. He's had he's been nicked, he's been nicked up. And now he left this he left this past uh game with an injury. And I'm sure the Detroit front office, well, what might be left of Detroit front office when he was there, are probably shaking their heads and say, this is why we got rid of him, just based off of that. In this league, if you've got a history of being, shall we say, injury-prone, I hate to tell people that. People will shy away from you. Some people may take a gamble on you and give you X amount of dollars just to prove everybody wrong. 
because they know you got the talent. Well, you might have talent, no doubt about that. But when somebody takes a gamble on you and you get hurt in the snap of your finger, well, you know, people shake their heads. But like I said, what can you do? It just do happen in this leg. And trust me, I I've already jumped on that on my last on my last podcast. Especially if you got a fantasy football team, my gosh, injuries are just the biggest pain in the butt that you could imagine. Injuries some people some teams can overcome the injuries. Some people, well, they can't. And that's unfortunate. Unfortunate is in any sport. Doesn't matter baseball, football, basketball, hockey, where the case might be. Some teams can, some teams can't. Unfortunate right now, the Ravens, they seem to be one of those teams that seem to be able to dodge the bullet. And they're doing a good job with it. Lamar Jackson is playing well. He's still running the ball. Lamar's even throwing the ball more this year than ever before. And he has panned out pretty well. And again, teams like New York Giants, if they have those injuries, it kills you. Again, some teams can get by with it. By with maybe an injury here or there. Some people, some teams, they can't do it. Now, I'm going to go a little bit closer to home. Being from the um, state of Virginia, and there's a team in Landover, Maryland, the Washington football team. Now, of course, they've been swimming in some controversy because I think, yeah, and we all know the situation with um, Dana Schott having to step down, and his wife now is pretty much the... I guess you could say she's kind of like the acting owner. Maybe she's she's like the president of the team right now, whatever the case might be. And they had some controversy of their own about um, not treating um, women right on the job, whether it was a cheerleader, the cheerleaders, or women that were working in their offices. But the thing with I gotta say with the Washington football team is this: what, what in the heck happened to this team? This team, and granted, this team was seven and nine last year, and I believe it won a division, and it did it. But the thing is, their defense was one was, was like a top ten defense in this league. Now this team is like probably the bottom, the bottom ten. What happened to the defense? Now the defensive line is still, to me, one of the better, one of the best defenses in football. Make no mistake about it. But from the linebacking court on up to the secondary, what happened to it? I mean, my gosh. I mean, I mean, you could sit there and throw the ball all day long on the Washington football team. And to me, that was wrong. Versus Forte was defense. 
And then actually Long gets a failing grade, a failing grade, because his defense is not delivering. Now the offensive line is not that bad. They have found they have found seem to find a goal line in Antonio Gibson. They've got a good receiver, one good receiver in Terry McLean. They can't find that second guy. Yeah, now I know they went out in free agency and they got Curtis Sandal. Because Ron Ron Rivera knew him, and Ron knew the kind of man, kind of guy he is. But Curtis now, he can't stay on the field. They lost, they, they just lost, I think, for, they lost Logan Thomas here recently, who was a good young tight end in this league, a young man that had done a phenomenal job from being a quarterback at, at uh, Virginia Tech to being a tight end in the NFL. He did, he did an outstanding job and should be applauded for making that change. And I get it. Your quarterback situation was an issue last season. You went from Dwayne Haskins, who wasn't doing much. You had Allen. He didn't do that much. But then when, when Alex Smith came back, things changed. The ship got righted a little bit. Then when he went down, then Heineke steps in. And he, heck, he surprised the heck out of, out of the, Super, the eventual Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The season went out. You got the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan, it seems like Ryan every other year seems to be a pretty decent year for Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you go back and you look, Ryan's been on a lot of teams in his NFL career. And Washington thought Ryan was going to be the anti quarterback. Ryan can still be a serviceable quarterback in this league. Now, whether Ryan is a starting quarterback for a full 17 games, I don't think he really is. He can certainly be a great backup quarterback in this league. Could be one of the better quarterbacks in this backup quarterbacks in this league, bar none. Now Taylor's done, has done the best job that he can that he can. But if Washington's gonna take, he's gonna take the step up and compete with Let's say right now, I hate to say the best team in the NFC East is those Dallas Cowboys. But if Washington's going to step up, they need to fix they need to fix that defense in a hurry. Because the front four, it's a nice front four, and you're wasting their talent. You've got to soar up. You've got to, sh- whatever's going on in that secondary, you need to figure that out. You need to figure that out. You need to get yourself a franchise quarterback. Now, Ryan, my guess is Ryan probably be gone by next year. I don't want the contract stays. Ryan Fitzpatrick really is. But he's gonna be gone. Now, top, now, you know, Heineke, I can see you keep him around, maybe as a backup. Maybe you do that. But the thing is, you need to find yourself a, a franchise quarterback. Now, there's nobody out there. And I know the buzz. Well, what about Cam Newton, Ron Rivera? Um, that, that subject has already been brought up to Ron Rivera. Ron likes what he's got at quarterback right now. To be honest with you, I don't think Cam could do <laughs> I don't think Cam could do any better than what's going on right now. 
Because to me, I think Heinke has a better arm than Cam Newton does right now. Not sure Cam. I think Cam's probably more. I might be quicker than than Heinke. Even though Heinke does show some mobility, he certainly does show some mobility. But Cam Newton could even pull Washington out of, out of this fire. No. And again, Cam Newton's not the same quarterback he was when he won the MVP either. They've got to do, Washington has to sit down and do some thinking, some hard, got to look, a, hard, a long look. Now, I'm not going to sit back and I'm not going to say that Ron Rivera should get the boot out of Washington. I'm not going to say that. I think Ron could right the ship, but he's going to need help. He needs to get that secondary straight. You need to find yourself a solid number two receiver to belong with Terry McLean. And you need to find that franchise quarterback. Trust me, it's hard to find that franchise quarterback in the NFL. I mean, my gosh, the Miami Dolphins have been trying to find one since Dan Reno left. The Buffalo Bills had tried to find one since Jim Out, since Jim Kelly retired. Now maybe maybe they found that quarterback in Josh Allen finally after all those years. But it's hard to find that franchise quarterback. The New York Jets, they've been trying to find one for years upon years upon years. But Joe Davis is not gonna walk back in the in the door from the New York Jets and play that and play again. You can go on and on about the teams that are trying to find that franchise quarterback. And it's hard to do so. Make no mistake about it. But Washington's like everybody else. They've got to find that franchise quarterback. Same team. Some teams are lucky. The Green Bay Packers. You go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That's hard to come by. The 49ers went from Joe Montana to Steve Young. I'll admit, some teams are lucky like that. Then again, some teams sit there for years upon years trying to find that quarterback. Who knows? I hate to say it, but some may never find it. That's why they spend millions and millions of dollars in free agency hoping to, to fill somebody to fill that gap for the next few years until they find the quarterback in college. And they say, that's the guy right there. That's our franchise. That's our future. But Washington's got to find it. If Washington's going to compete, because Dak Prescott's not going anywhere unless he has some significant injury. Jalen Hurts, he does have his moments. But I think Jalen's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback for the foreseeable future. Now, you might have me with the Giants. I think the Giants will be the same boat with Washington football team. I don't think Dan Jones is the answer, and I'm sure they're going to be looking at the draft for a quarterback. And don't be shocked that the Washington football team does the exact same thing. But is there a quarterback in this year's draft that can lead your team for the next 10, 11, 12 years? I don't see it. And there lies the question.
would be more miserable years for the New York Giants until they find that quarterback for Washington. The same, I hate to say it, same thing. But for Washington football team, it needs to, shall we say, if they're going to step up, step up their game, they need to get that quarterback. Now, be a few more minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, probably out of time. Um, <laughs> yesterday was a pretty big um, day for a lot of <laughs> for a lot of fantasy football fans. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of big numbers thrown out there. Um, my gosh, if you had the Chargers, Justin Herbert looked great. Mike Williams looked awesome yesterday. Austin Eckler, uh, Nick Chubb had a great day running the ball yesterday. There were some great days for, for, a lot, for a lot of there were a lot of points for a lot of fans for a lot of fancy owners. Um, and one of my legs, I just got looking at the score. I had one guy in my one of my legs that put up two hundred points, two hundred points in fantasy football. My gosh, that is one hard thing to come by. But the man was loaded. The man's got a good team. There's a lot of respect to the gentleman because, to be honest with you, he's always a contender in this league I played in for many, many years. He's always a contender. He always drafts well. He seems to do the right thing at the right time, make those right trades at the right time. Maybe maybe some NFL teams should give him a call because he does know what he's doing. Um... But I'll say that for fantasy fans, it was a heck of a day, heck of a day yesterday and tonight. Um, my gosh, Carlson wins 400-some passing yards. Jonathan Taylor looked like the Jonathan Taylor that everybody expected him to be when he was a top 10 fantasy running back out there. For a lot of teams that drafted probably him first, might have drafted him first overall in their draft this year. Michael Pittman has seemed to step up his game a little bit. He seems to be the go-to man with the Indianapolis Colts. And what about the reversions of one Marcus, Marcus Brown? Mark Andrews had a nice little night tonight as well. Lamar Jackson, well, he was Lamar Jackson. Ran for good yardage, he passed, I think, for over 300 yards tonight. Lamar, I don't think Lamar Jackson had too much of a choice anyway. I think with the you lose your top three running backs, he was going to have to pick up, he was going to have to throw the ball. And to his credit, Lamar hasn't played that bad throwing the ball. For fantasy football owners, I'm sure that is a, people that have him on this team are probably praying right now that he continues to do the success he does on the ball because that makes him that much more of a deadly weapon. And unfortunately, in my leg, the Joe Lines got through talking about five seconds ago, well, I got to play him this week. And that worries me to death. Because Lamar is even more dangerous than ever before. And who knows, Lamar might get himself back in MVP voting. Well, fans, 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's all for this show. Take care. See you next time.